Good to see you here. Good to be together with you. I want to welcome those of you joining us online. Glad to have you. Let us know how we can help you. We're in this series. It's called Stories of Unfinished. It's about this journey that we started a year ago called Unfinished that's all based on a verse from Philippians chapter 1 where it says, God began the good work within you and he's going to continue this work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. In other words, God's got a plan to work in and through our lives a plan to work in and through our church for the rest of our lives. And so our leaders prayed and planned. And one year ago, we took the boldest step that we've ever taken as a church. We committed to give $7.5 million over the next two years. And many of us took huge steps of faith, and now we're halfway through, and God's already done amazing things. We sent Brandon and Danielle Stevenson to uh, Pittsburgh in, in January to start a new church. They, they gave it a name, One Church. Last month, they started holding uh, launch team meetings. They're going to have their grand opening on March 18th. And it is going to be so exciting to watch this new church birth and grow. We also sent a team to Haiti in June to start a new church in a very poor area. Then we're going to send another team next June to build a facility to help this new church continue to grow. And we also set a goal to start three new churches by the end of this decade. And then we set another goal of starting two new campuses. A couple weeks ago, we launched the online campus, got off to a really strong start, uh, 80 people from eight different states. And we also introduced Dave Cole as the new campus pastor for the physical campus we're going to launch next October. Think of it this way as River Glen starting a fourth service except it's going to be located 15 to 30 minutes away from here to give more people access to what God is, is doing. We'll begin the process of putting together a launch team early next year. Right now we're in the process of finding a facility, and we have something we're working on. It looks promising. We're excited about it, but we're not far enough along that we can announce it yet. I just want to ask, though, for your prayers that God will lead us to the right uh, facility. And uh, we've also gotten much more involved, much more engaged locally in serving needs in our community, as you heard Sue explain. And uh, we don't, we're not after a, a recognition, but isn't it affirming that uh, people are noticing that God's using River Glen to make an impact locally? We also have a team that's going over to Nairobi, Kenya in February to strengthen our partnership with Mission of Hope in one of the poorest parts of the world. And uh, this past summer at, at this campus, we had really our best summer ever in terms of attendance and group life involvement. I could go on and on. I'm just amazed at what God has done, but I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied because about 85% of the population in southeastern Wisconsin, 80, about 85%, does not have a meaningful connection to a local church or to Jesus. And uh, we've we got to do something about that. Wisconsin is ranked as one of the top 10 least church states in America. And uh, we need to change that. So I'm not satisfied. And I'm not satisfied because I still want to grow spiritually and I want to see you grow spiritually too. So we began going through the New Testament book of Philippians chapter by chapter to encourage and nourish and even challenge three groups of people. If you're new to River Glen and you're new to in Unfinished, we're inviting you to take a step and join us on this Unfinished uh, journey, because as you take a step with us, you know what? We're just going to make an even bigger impact for Jesus in Waukesha and Milwaukee and beyond. And so we encourage you to jump in. That's why we uh, put together these booklets 
Our team did a great job on these booklets. I think you can find one in the chair back in front of you. Take it with you, and it'll tell you where we've been, where we're going, what, what, what God has, has done. Read it over. If you have questions, let us know. Use this as a prayer tool. But you know what? The booklet is also for those of you who are already on the unfinished journey, and, and that's a lot of us. And I want to say thank you for going on the journey, and I want to encourage you to be here for, for next weekend, for Commitment Weekend, because if you took a faith step last year, you're one year in, and for some of you, this is the first time that you have uh, given back to God and trusted him with your finances. This is the first time that you've given back to God through a local church, and you've done it for a year. That's an amazing accomplishment. That is, that is a huge milestone in, in your life, and we want to celebrate that, and uh, I would love to hear your story. You can email me. You can stop by. I'll be in the lobby at the Unfinished Hub after the service. I'd love to hear your unfinished story. And you should come and celebrate next weekend because your generosity has already made a big impact. And this next year, God's going to do even greater things as we finish strong together. And then uh, for some of us, we have this sense of God stirring inside of us and calling us to a new unfinished step. We feel like maybe God's increased our faith or our finances, and, and uh, we're taking another step of uh, faith. So be here uh, next weekend. It's going to be a big uh, celebration for Commitment uh, Weekend. Now today, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, or excuse me, Philippians chapter 3, where Paul talks about uh, two amazing privileges, uh, amazing blessings that we can enjoy together, and I think that will encourage us on the unfinished uh, journey. I'm going to talk about them uh, br briefly, the first one, then a little more in depth on the second one. But first, I want you to think about something. How we have a tendency as people, I think especially as Jesus followers, I think of it this way. We live beneath our, our privileges. We don't take advantage of all the benefits and opportunities that, that we can enjoy. I'll give you an example here. We've got this uh, microwave in our, in our kitchen in the church building, and we've had this microwave for uh, several years. Our staff use it to warm up our lunches, you know, most every day. Sometimes we have 15 people, 15 staff members lined up waiting to use the, the microwave uh, for lunch. And for years, we have tolerated and suffered because of the weakness and the uh, lack of power of this uh, microwave uh, right here. I know it's a first world problem, okay, but it's, it's been a frustration for uh, all of us until one day, uh, one of our staff members, Morgan Trish, our, our, our worship leader today, he discovered this button uh, called time entry. And if you push that button uh, first, then the microwave um, operates at 100% power level. But since none of us ever pushed that button, the microwave always worked at 50% power and so thanks to uh, Morgan, uh, my oatmeal is no longer watery and super, soupy. Now it's fully cooked and thick the way that God intended. And, uh, uh, but for too long, we lived, we, we lived beneath that privilege, uh, beneath that uh, blessing for, for way too long, for, for many years. Now I bring this up because the longer I follow Jesus and the longer that I work as a, as a pastor, the more I believe that far too many people who follow Jesus live beneath their spiritual privileges. We don't really connect with all the power and the blessings and the privileges that God has provided for us. For example, many followers of Jesus walk around uh, carrying guilt and regret and even shame. And 
it weighs you down. It's like, a, it's like an extra 100 pounds in your backpack. And it is just slowing you down and it is robbing you of peace of mind and joy. And it's totally unnecessary because of what Jesus did on the cross. But, but sometimes people will say this. Maybe you've said this or maybe you've heard people say this. I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Or I'm just having a hard time, a really hard time forgiving myself. Well, listen, listen. If you could forgive yourself, then you wouldn't need Jesus, okay? Uh, truth is, you can't forgive yourself. That's why Jesus went to the cross. You don't need to forgive yourself. You need to accept, you need to understand and accept the amazing privilege of forgiveness that Jesus gives uh, to you to set you free from all your guilt and all your shame. It's an amazing privilege. And Paul talks about this privilege in Philippians chapter three, but he does so in a way that we don't really talk about a lot. Maybe you haven't heard it talked about this way. Here's what he says. He says, through faith, it comes through faith in Christ, and he calls it uh, righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now, this word righteousness, it, it means you have all your sins forgiven, but it also means that you've got this right standing, this right position before God. Theologians call this imputed righteousness because it is effortless on, on your part. Notice it says that this righteousness, it doesn't say that it comes uh, from good behavior or from good works. No, no, no. It's a gift. It's a free gift from God uh, through, through your faith in, in Jesus. Think about it this way. Think about it like a bank transfer. You've probably made a bank transfer. Maybe you uh, go online or, or maybe you call the bank and, and you get money transferred from one, one account to another. Well, when you start following Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you know, Scripture says that there's a transaction. Uh, the first transaction, this transfer of all your sin, all your moral debt from your account onto Jesus on the cross, and he forgives all of it. But here's the thing. God doesn't leave your account empty. No. God transfers all the perfection, all the righteousness, Jesus never sinned, all the righteousness of Jesus into your account. God credits your account with the righteousness of, of Jesus. Maybe, maybe you heard this news story uh, from a few years ago, a true story about a woman who had a net worth of $150. And she goes to open up her bank account, and this is with a, a national uh, bank. She has $150 in her, in her account, but she looks in her account, and the bank has mistakenly credited, credited her account with $88 billion. Yeah, she opens her account looking for $150. She sees $88 uh, billion. After fainting and crying, <laughs> she self-reports, and the bank tells her, you know, don't touch it. And they transfer the 88 billion out, and they leave 150 in her account. But quite a story. For a few hours, she's the richest person on the planet Earth uh, because that money had been credited to her account. But do you realize that's what God's done for you? except God leaves all the righteousness of Jesus in your account. Here's what that means. It means that if you follow Jesus and you confess your sin and you walk around with any guilt or any shame, you're living beneath. You're living way beneath uh, your, your privileges as a Jesus uh, follower. Well, that's the first privilege Paul talks about in Philippians chapter three. And then he goes on. He talks about another a privilege, a second privilege that I, I lived under. I lived, I lived way under this privilege 
until I, I began understanding it in college. I remember I was at lunch in the cafeteria one day, and I could take it to the table in the, in the cafeteria at the college I attended where I was sitting with an upperclassman who was kind of a mentor in my life. He's a couple years older than me. And he asked me a question. Nobody had ever asked me this question before. And this question literally began to change my life. My friend asked me this question. He said, Ben, uh, what is your dream? And I'm like, what do you mean? I drew a total blank. What's the dream that you want to accomplish for God? And my friend went on to tell me about his dream, and, and he actually he went on to uh, accomplish that later in his life. But I remember that question and that conversation, because up to that point, I thought Christianity was just about getting your sins forgiven so that when you died, you'd go to heaven, you know, kind of like fire insurance. I never thought about God having a dream for my life, God having a plan for my life, and so that conversation opened my eyes and my heart to that possibility. Some of you know the story that over the course of the next several years, God began to capture my heart with a dream of, of planting a new church and moving to the uh, Milwaukee area to do that. Now, maybe you hear that and you're thinking to yourself, that's nice, Ben. You feel like God called you to start this church. I'm glad that our pastor feels called. Thank you for sharing that. But here's my point. Following Jesus for you is about much more than, than just getting your sins forgiven because Jesus has a dream for your life. Jesus has a plan for your life. And I'm telling you, you will experience wonderful blessings and rewards and benefits and privileges when you pursue this calling. You know, here, here's, here's, how, here's how Paul explains it. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you've been saved uh, through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He's talking about that gift of forgiveness, that gift of righteousness that we just talked about. And oftentimes we stop reading right here. But look at the next verse. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that an amazing verse? Notice, it says that we're not saved by good works, but it does say that we are saved for good works because God had a dream for your life even before your birth. And so God handcrafted you. He custom designed you to fulfill his calling in your life to do good works. Maybe you, maybe you heard about this sign. It's outside this uh, dude ranch in Colorado where people go to ride horses. And it says, uh, for fast riders, we have fast horses. For slow riders, we have slow horses. For those who have never ridden, we have horses that have never been <laughs> ridden. Cute, isn't that? That'd be fun. But I want you to know God's not that way, okay? God, God's plan, God's dream, God's calling uh, for your life is going to fit you perfectly. And it's really up to you to figure it out. What is it that God has called you to do? What is God's dream for your life? I remember sitting in class and a professor uh, shared something. It was like an aha moment for me. And it really helped me see things more clearly in my life. And it stuck with me. And I'm going to share it with you. Uh, maybe this will be helpful to you. He said your calling has three aspects. First of all uh, is opportunity. I mean, think about it. God's not going to call you to do something and not give you the opportunity to do it. And then ability. I mean, God's going to give you the ability and the resources to do what he calls you to do. And then God's going to give you a passion, maybe a burning desire 
to fulfill your, your calling. Maybe God gives you a burning desire to help, to help the poor. Or, or maybe God gives you a burning uh, desire to uh, help students and children to grow and reach their potential. Maybe God gives you a burning desire to help people in your neighborhood find and follow Jesus. See, so these three aspects, opportunity, ability, and desire, help you identify uh, God's calling in your life, God's dream for your life. And here's something else. You know what? I think these, these aspects of calling also apply to our church. I believe God has a dream for our church. God has a calling, a vision for our church. A couple years ago, our leaders blocked off a couple of days and we just prayed and, and, and we discussed uh, the future. And you know what? We sense God putting some amazing opportunities in front of our church. And we believe that we have uh, the, the uh, ability and we felt God just stirring a desire within our leaders to go to the next level as a church in our capacity to make more and better followers of, of, of Jesus. And we believe if God's calling River Glen to do something, God's calling each one of us to do something. And that's how the vision for Unfinished came about. That's how we sense God, God, God calling us as, as a church. Now here's why this is so important, this sense of calling from God. It's important for us as individuals and for us as a church. First reason is because knowing your calling is gonna, gonna bring fulfillment to your life. Look at what Paul says here in, in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already been made perfect. It's interesting that word perfect there could be translated uh, complete uh, or, uh, or uh, fulfilled. Paul says, I'm not complete. I'm unfulfilled. Something is missing. I'm dissatisfied. I'm unfinished. And, and then look at what he does to uh, fulfill his life. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And you're probably wondering, what in the world does that mean? Because we don't talk that way. We say, I chose Jesus. I decided to follow Jesus. Paul flips it around and he says, Jesus took hold of me. Jesus took hold of, of, of my life. And Paul knew that when Jesus laid hold of his life, Jesus had a dream. Jesus had a calling for Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul arranged his life around this calling, this dream, and Paul would say to you, he would look you in the eye if he were here to, today, and he would say, figure out what Jesus had in mind when he laid hold of your life and then align yourself with it and go for it. Go all out. Go all in. Because this is your sweet spot. This is the North Star that's going to bring direction and clarity and purpose and fulfillment to your life as, as a Jesus follower on this unfinished journey. All right, that's the first benefit. Here's another uh, benefit. Knowing your calling will simplify uh, your life. Look at how it simplified Paul's life. In verse 15, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but notice this. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead. I love that little phrase. One thing I do. Paul chose to run one race. He didn't try to do it all. He limited his options to uh, uh, increase his odds of fulfilling the calling that Jesus had for his, his, his life. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus didn't work around the clock. Uh, Jesus didn't try to do it all. He didn't heal every sick person. But when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. I take it he meant, I fulfilled my calling. I did what the Father wanted me to do. Both Paul and Jesus had a clear sense of calling, and it simplified uh, their lives. You know, sometimes simple is better. Simple is more impactful 
and, and, and focused. Last week, I went up to uh, Minnesota uh, for a couple days. I spent some time with my son. He's a student. He goes to college in St. Paul. And uh, we went to lunch. And Ryan, my son, picked this uh, fast food restaurant called uh, Raising Cane's. Anybody curious? Anybody heard of this restaurant? Anybody? Not very many. I, I'd never heard of it either. And uh, he said they're known for their chicken fingers. And so I thought to myself, okay, I'll get, you know, maybe some grilled chicken or, or maybe I'll get a salad. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, because uh, Raising Cane uh, has a very, uh, uh, very uh, simple menu. Yeah, here, here they have like uh, three options. You can get the uh, three-finger chicken meal or the four-finger chicken meal or the six-finger chicken meal. And every meal comes with the same thing, uh, french fries, uh, special sauce for the chicken fingers and uh, coleslaw and Texas toast. I remember because I ate there twice. Uh, I enjoyed it so much. I thought, you know, may as well go, go for it here. And uh, probably the best chicken fingers that I've ever eaten. And, uh, you know, on the way out, I asked the lady, I said, uh, I asked Cashier, I said, is this, a, is this part of a chain? And she said, oh, yeah, we're, we're mostly down south. And I was curious, and so I got online later that night. Raising Cane's started in Louisiana, Baton Rouge, in 1996. And get this, they have grown to over 350 restaurants. Yeah, mostly in the south. Because keeping it simple and doing one thing, chicken fingers, um, has worked pretty good for their business. Sometimes simple is Better. You know, sometimes I get amazed at the complexity of life. I went to a grocery store uh, this week uh, looking for Cheerios, and I counted 15 different kinds of Cheerios <laughs> at the uh, grocery store. It's complicated out there. I mean, you can get stressed out just going to the grocery store for a box of cereal. We can busy ourselves with things that don't matter. We can spend our lives taking detours and you know what? That's why when you discover God's calling, it makes your life simpler. You'll have less stress, less frustration. It'll simplify decision-making and scheduling because you only have really one thing to do. And that's why people who don't know their calling, oftentimes they try to do too much. Rick Warren says that if we can't get everything done, uh, then we're probably doing more than God wants. I think Unfinished has helped us grow spiritually, many of us grow spiritually, because it's helped us get clarity about our calling as individuals and as a church. And Unfinished has helped many of us to simplify our lives. I know people who decided to eat more meals at home, spend a little less on Christmas, to take a staycation, to take a break from cable TV. And many people have discovered that by simplifying their life around God's calling, that life is is more enjoyable and less uh, stressful. All right, a third benefit, knowing your calling will energize your life. Paul says, forgetting what is behind. And uh, notice this word, straining toward what is ahead. This, here, this word, in the original language, this is an emotionally loaded uh, term. They would use this term to uh, describe a runner. It paints a picture of a runner uh, straining every muscle in his body to go forward squeezing every ounce of potential to move uh, forward. And keep in mind, Paul's an old man. When he writes this letter, he's sitting in prison, waiting for years for, for the verdict, probably going to be a, a death sentence. I mean, if Paul is excited and energized about God's calling in those circumstances, how much more uh, can, should, could we be energized 
and excited in our lives today. It doesn't matter what kind of past you've had. I mean, Paul had a horrible, terrible sins in his past. He persecuted and tortured and killed Christians, but he wouldn't allow his guilt from his past sins to extinguish his enthusiasm for, for God's dream, for God's calling in his life today. He knew the cross cleansed all of it, and the cross can cleanse all of, of your sin. Throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, we see how God loves to take people, sinful people, turn their life around, and then uh, give them a dream, a new dream for the future. God used David, the adulterer and murderer. God used Peter, the liar. And God wants to use each one of us. I love this quote I came across. Because of Jesus, we can make uh, regret the starting line, not the finish line. Knowing your calling will help you move past your past and move into a better future. And then, and then fourth, uh, knowing your calling will reward uh, your life. I looked up the average life expectancy in the United States, and it's uh, 79 years. 79 years. Uh, in other words, uh, each one of us, we get about 28,000 days. Yeah, it doesn't sound that long when you think about it that way, does it? We get 28,000 days to live, and then we stand before God, and we receive an evaluation, a performance appraisal of how well we've done uh, fulfilling our calling. And I think that's what Paul refers to in verse 14 when he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God's called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't think the prize is salvation. I don't think the prize is making it to heaven. Paul had confidence that he was saved, that he would go to heaven. I think the prize here is an affirmation. It's standing before Jesus and hearing him say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I called you to do. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't you love to hear Jesus uh, say those words uh, to you? And then there's a promotion. He'll say, you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And then a, and a big celebration. And we all want that celebration. We all want those prizes and promotions and awards. That's one reason why we gather together every weekend to remember our calling and to encourage each other to live up to these privileges so that we enjoy all the blessings, all the benefits, and, and the rewards now and forever. Well, I want you to hear from a couple uh, in our church about some of the blessings and benefits they've experienced as part of Unfinished. Take a look at the screens. My name is Josh. This is my lovely wife, Deborah. We have been coming to River Glen for about Three five years. years. It seems it's been, longer. It's, it's been 30. so long, we don't even know. <laughs> I am involved in SLIFE, uh, the high school ministry. I help out with uh, the children's ministry. I go to Mom Life, and I also sing in the choir. I think what excites me the most about River Glen is, man, we're, we're building churches and we're building communities around those churches, whether it's a physical location or the internet. You know, like I've, I've been hosting. We've had people from Alabama and Florida listening in. Like, that's awesome. Now, I highly doubt those people are ever gonna come like hang out at River Glen, but you know what? They can sit there and they can start a community around them with just that, and that's amazing. So more communities are being built through Unfinished, and that is a beautiful thing to me. I just really appreciate that, you know, River Glen has decided that they're not gonna be content with uh, where we're at now. You know, a lot of churches are just maintaining, but we're 
seeing that there's still more people that need God. And um, I really appreciate that. And I think us as people personally, you know, God's always calling us to take another step forward. One thing about our unfinished journey and how it's been is like financially wise, like we have always, that financially like tithing has always been a priority to us. Uh, no matter what, that's one of the first things that gets done in our budgets. We've definitely always trusted God with it, right? The way that I've struggled the most with uh, Unfinished and the aspect of trusting God, because you know, I, we do have a very open and trusting faith, I think. But the, there was a couple of weeks there when uh, my car is dying. Like it should die, but it's not dying yet looking at the numbers like if if we if we quit tithing if we uh you know don't eat for two weeks and if we you know this and that and the other thing i could get a truck that i've been having my eye on and one day i get a phone call from a friend of mine who um is going to a school out in madison well this person was like i don't need my car do you know anybody who like needs a car can you store a car for two months and i was like i know somebody and so because of that through that struggle i saw god's blessing and like he uses this moment to take care of everybody when i wasn't worried about everybody a couple months after we learned about unfinished we actually got accepted for a habitat for humanity house and that is just crazy because <laughs> I never thought I'd live in a house, ever. Like, I always thought I'd be renting and complaining about a two-bedroom house with five people in it. We just applied and we got it. It was weird. Uh, I had to go through a system, and it was a pretty rigorous thing. Like, Deborah was pregnant during this time. So it was just to watch a, a five-month pregnant woman out there hammering. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, yeah, this is my life. This is what's happening. <laughs> I think unfinished is a personal thing for, you know, everybody. God is asking everyone to take a step, and that might be different than the person sitting next to you than it is for you. And I think everybody has their own step of faith that they need to take. I'm Josh. I'm Deb. And, and we, we are Unfinished. unfinished. Let's give Josh and Deborah a big hand. I really appreciate them sharing their story and, and sharing about the blessings and the benefits of generosity. You know, uh, sometimes for pastors uh, like myself, it's, it's difficult to talk about the, the privileges and, and, and the, the rewards and the blessings that God provides for us. Many pastors, including me, were a little afraid to talk about money. Uh, maybe people will think, oh, that's all the church uh, is interested in is money. Or maybe people won't believe when I talk about the uh, rewards and the uh, blessings. But you know what? Here's the problem. We owe it to you to talk about the rewards. I think we owe it to you to talk about the finances. Because in our world today, we get pulled in a million directions with our money. And God's way is really the best way. I believe it's the best way for us to, to live. So I want to show you a diagram that I came across that really helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Here's how we normally uh, talk about uh, finances in church. If you've attended church uh, for a while, you probably get this. Uh, yeah, here's how we do it. We'll say, we'll say that uh, B is, uh, you know, your financial goal. Maybe it's to have enough money for uh, retirement or to, or, to, or to buy a house 
or to start a business, whatever financial goal you have, uh, it's B. And many people will say, well, I need 100% of my income to go from where I'm at right now, A, to get to my financial goal, which is B. And so don't ask me to be generous, don't ask me to give, don't ask me to be extravagant because I need 100% of my money to go from A uh, to B. But here's what we do as, as, as pastors. We, we normally say, okay, uh, but the Bible teaches that if we bring uh, the tithe, which is uh, 10%, if we bring that uh, to God, that invites God into the process. It's really the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this, bring the tithe into the, into the storehouse, the local place where you worship, and see what happens. And so here's how we talk about this. You know, you can either do 100% on your own to get to B, or you can do uh, 90% plus God. And the question is, which one is going to get you to be more quickly, on your own or in partnership with God? That's how we uh, uh, teach it. But, but here's what pastors often forget. Here, here's the problem. We forget that when we do this, there is a C, okay? When we, when we do this right, when we live generously, when we practice tithing, when we do what God calls us to do, God doesn't just take us to B, he takes us past B to C, to a place that we didn't even know was there. And those of you that, that, that do this, I mean, you're, you're here, you're, you're at C. I'm living here at C. Josh and Deborah on the video, they're, they're living at C. Sometimes I'm afraid to talk about this. But this is part of God's calling, and this is really the best way uh, to live. And I want you to know, I'm not just telling you to do it. Marnie and I are, are practicing this, and we're stepping out in faith. Last November for Unfinished, we made our largest financial commitment that we've ever made. And it hasn't been easy. We've had some health challenges. This past summer, we sold our home, and we moved into an older neighborhood, into an older home with less value so that we could give some of the proceeds to fulfill our unfinished uh, commitment. I share that with you because I want you to know we're in this with you. And I also want you to know that God has brought us through the first year of unfinished. God's been faithful. And you know what? We feel like God's taken us past B, and we feel like we're living in C. Uh, we've lived in this new house for about four months. And out of all the places that we've lived, this is our favorite pr place. Uh, we just feel like it's just a blessing from God. We intended to downsize and we did downsize in price and it's a much smaller lot but I'm a little embarrassed to tell you that this, this, this new house actually has a little more square footage. It's actually a little bit bigger than our old house. That wasn't our goal. Uh, God just brought us this amazing house at this amazing price and so we've got a little more home than we expected, a little more space. Maybe God's got a plan to use our home in some way to minister to people in the future. And so we're just really excited about what God's doing in, in our home, in our family. We're excited about what God's doing in our church, through our church. And we're really, Marnie and I are really looking forward to uh, getting together next weekend and uh, celebrating the one-year milestone and, and filling out uh, a new uh, commitment card. And so would you take a commitment card with you? I think there's one in the chair back in front of you, or you can stop at the Unfinished Hub and, and pick one up. Would you uh, read it over and just ask God what he wants you to do? Uh, and ask yourself, how is God uh, calling me to participate this next year? Remember, we're not saved by good works. We're, salvation's free. But we are saved for good works. And Unfinished 
is a really good work. I really believe that because it's our, we're already seeing people uh, find Jesus, and uh, we're going to see even more people find Jesus in the future. And so I'm praying uh, for, for every one of us. That's our goal, um, for everyone to participate uh, next weekend, for some of you to make a first-time commitment, for some of you to reaffirm your original commitment and finish strong, and uh, for some of you, like Marnie and I, who just feel God stirring in, inside of you to in, increase uh, your commitment. So uh, pray about it and do what, what God leads you to do. Do what God uh, calls you to do. In fact, uh, let's do that right now. Let's pray. And uh, I want to ask, would you uh, stand uh, with me? And I'd like to close our time uh, with prayer. Let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for the time that we've had together this morning to celebrate together uh, what you've done for us. God, you have blessed us in so many ways. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to hear your teaching this morning. And God, I ask that it not be something that just sits with us, but it, it calls us to action. It prompts us to action. And I ask, through the guidance of your Holy Spirit, you help us take our next step with you and to trust you completely. God, help us to surrender ourselves and to, to, to live up to these amazing privileges, these amazing blessings that you give to us. And uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next weekend. Don't forget about RG5 in the lobby. <laughs>